participation is required. Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to The Sports Card Therapist, a sports card podcast. You are on the mic with Rob. Don't forget to hit him up on social media with questions and comments. It's goats over prospecting all day. Thanks for tuning in to The Sports Card Therapist. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Sports Card Therapist, where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at my hobby hustle and sprinkling some self-care and wellness on top of that. I'm Rob Gerard, your Sports Card Therapist. And whether if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, welcome to the podcast. And this is the final podcast. This is the final roundtable of this cycle of roundtables. We are calling this the dumpster fire. And it's for no other reason, but I just put together some incredible minds in the hobby that have absolutely nothing to do with one another. And usually those are the best kind of roundtables. So where I just, you know, just get some geniuses of the hobby, no pressure guys, and put them all together. So I guess we're going to, uh, we're going to kickstart this. And uh, we have Jason Coons. We have Stephanie from Mama Breaks, Sean Victory Investments, and we have Tim from Slab Strong, who is rocking the bling. Right? Are you rocking your tops card around your neck? I'm rocking myself. That's always. the ultimate floss. And and Jason, oh, oh, pull it. Up. Yeah, there you go, Jason. He's pulling out the bling now. He's pulling out the bling, and he's got the basketball court behind him. I mean, you know, it's just it's just pure floss. But guys, how's everyone doing tonight? Good. Awesome, man. Awesome. Pumped to be here, Rob. Glad to be here with all you guys. This is a this is a, a interesting group of people. I feel like we're going to be able to cover just about. Anything that uh, Rob brings up, I mean, is that John Starks behind you, Jason? Is that uh, no? That is no. That's Jordan guarding a skinny version of me. <laughs> oh, like, that's, yeah, that, that's that's me fifty pounds ago, and then my my mural my mural's actually gonna he's gonna put the whole stadium in, put the family and friends in the in the crowd behind us. We're working on that. What's the jersey on? What, are you, what jersey are you wearing? Detroit Pistons. I mean, sorry, I'm trying to get out of the way. Ah, yeah, there we go. I can see. So, I can see the blue. It's kind of. It's kind of tough. Is it my hometown? My hometown Pistons. Yeah, hometown Pistons. So, Jason, on your all-time Detroit Pistons team, are you running the point, and is Isaiah on the bench? I mean, it's a funny story because, like, <laughs> we end up. We end up using Blake Griffin's body because, like, the first he he started to paint the mural of like this fat guy, and I had to like tell him to adjust this because, like, I didn't want to look up every day and 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 look at some fat bas- basketball player. So I looked at Blake Griffin and I was like, "All right, let's let's use that body because that's what I'm going to strive to strive to achieve." Well, listen, good good luck with that. Okay, we we that ship might have sailed. We're not a hundred percent sure yet. But uh, basketball card guy Jonathan is in the house. He said the NBA finals are on, and yet I'm watching this great group of people. Rob, if that's not love, I don't know what is. Listen, it's it's just you know good old hobby love. And the beautiful thing about I, 
these roundtables in particular, but I think the content that I at least try to put out is it's evergreen content, which means if people are watching the finals right now and they miss this live or they don't get a chance to catch up on it until a week from now, it's still going to feel fresh. If people are going back and binge listening or binge watching these episodes, it's still going to feel fresh because, um, you know, it's not so much about what's going on in the hobby per se. It's more about macro level big picture type thing so um i mean you guys have all have really incredible brands that you've continued to build sean even you with with you with your uh the content that you put out and and i know you're also a musician so you're you know you did jeremy lee's intro um his intro song like you know so everyone here has has something different that they're really bringing so i guess jason we'll start with you you know you have you're you're a prominent figure in the hobby. You have been for a while. Uh, great interview, by the way, on Jeremy Lee's show a few weeks back. That was incredible. You handled those questions with grace. You didn't dodge any questions. Nothing was off limits. That was awesome. Um, talk to me, I guess, about maybe looking back on that interview, how you felt that went. You know, what are what were some things you were happy to cover? What things were you hoping to cover that didn't get covered? Anything like that? I mean, I was just there to answer questions to people who seem to be kind of new to the hobby. I mean, I've pretty much have talked, you know, I, the thing is I've been around for so long, I already know all the major dealers. So like all these topics and these conversations have all been talked about many times over for 20, 25 years. So this was just kind of like um, basically responding to some of the people that just make shit up, you know, and it's just like the craziness of, clickbait and tabloids and all this stuff and it's like you know you take a 10 percent truth and stretch it out to like whatever you want to make it so i mean it was just it was a good jeremy puts on a good podcast and it was it was good to kind of just talk to people and answer questions yeah yeah no definitely man and so stephanie uh aka mama breaks um you know you and i first met at national last year um you know, we hung out for a little while. I got to meet Papa Breaks as well. We were, uh, you know, chopping it up. That was great. You've come back on the, on my show at least once or twice, I believe. Um, and and now since you've gone full time in this hobby, right? I mean, since the last time I saw you in person, you've got your own Tops card. You're literally into the Tops product. Like, talk to me about the whirlwind that has been your life over the last year in the hobby. Well, definitely deciding to go full-time was a big decision for me. And I had made that right before the national. So I went in with the mindset at the national that, Hey, I need to make this happen this year, you know, building connections and meeting every, everyone that I possibly needed to meet. And the national was really overwhelming for me. I had no idea um, the type of social media presence I had at that point, I guess that's when it really hit me was at the national. And ever since then, it just kind of, you know, like I said, Mama Breaks is my business. It's my breaking company. And I'm just focused on providing great positive experiences and having so much fun and super grateful for the card and everything that's happened since then. So, Listen, I wish I had a mama that break, you know, or that broke, <laughs> I should say. Um, and and you're, you're a mother as well, right? How many children? I have two uh, little boys. They're three and two. Ah, oh, that's amazing. So my daughter turns two on June four, or two, turns three on June fourth. 
and then my son turns one on june 23rd so we're like we're like right there and both you know, ha having one kid was like at least in my experience it was like oh this is great all hands on deck everything's all lovey there weren't many ripple you know weren't many waves that we couldn't conquer throw a second kid in the mix everything went out the window it's pure chaos it's insanity we're lucky if the kids get bathed once a week i'm, I'm kidding but you know what i mean just like you know just throw a second kid i don't know how it's been with you but it's been nuts it's definitely crazy. And I mean, being able to be home like when I want to on my own time has been the best, best blessing this year. So I'm trying to figure that out more, more and more as I go. So, yeah, I had, a, I had a buddy tell me, he said, you know, when you first have your first kid, it's two on one. So you can kind of corner that kid. Second kid, it's man on man. But you get mm -hmm. into that third, you got to drop back into a zone. And it's a whole different ball game. I mean, you, you, it's, it's a, um, it's a different strategy. I got a buddy who's got six kids, and uh, mm -hmm. I mean, they're in, they're playing zone three on two constantly. So, but that's awesome. I we have three ourselves. Nice, nice. Are you going yeah. for the third row? No, no. <laughs> you thought about it though. No, that no, no. I, I was trying to think. I was trying to think. Do I say something slick, like <laughs> like hell no, or do I just say no? I think we're all set, you know. Uh, but yeah, my wife's pushing for it, but I'm I'm like I don't think so. Um, so let's segue into Tim. Tim, you, Tim, your brand Slab Strong. Uh, you and I met, I believe, two years ago at uh, trade night at the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, I interview you. I interviewed you for um, a little YouTube. Uh, I was going around interviewing random people. You were there, big hat, the chain, everything. You know, demonstrating your slab guard, right? Which is w slab strong. Which, which th there are multiple slab cases that are out there, right? But um, you have continued to not only brand your slab, your slab guards, and and everything else, but you, you've really branded yourself, the big hat, the big chain, right? And to the point where you've ended up in a top set, just like Stephanie. I mean, you're, you're in a top set with Jeff Wilson. Like how crazy is that? Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, if, if it's not Stephanie, I'm the second biggest one in there. So if anything, Jeff's on the car with me, uh, but <laughs> let's be real, man. This what are we talking about here? Uh, no, nah, things have been crazy. I met Steph, I think around the same time. Um, I don't know if I met her before or after I sent her a message on Instagram, she was doing her thing. I saw she wanted to chain. I knew, uh, Corey and I from show you slabs. So I wanted to be the first one to be like, Hey, we got you on a chain. Cause I know the guys could 3d print stuff. So mom, I've been real cool with mama breaks from the beginning too. Um, Things are wild, man. I can't even. I, I don't have any kids, by the way, guys. So all the cards you see are mine. You guys can give them up to your kids. I'm keeping them. Forty year old uh, virgin. Forty one. Forty one. Give 41. me another year. Yeah, give me another year. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, <laughs> nah, man. Things have been crazy. It's been a lot of fun. I've told everyone that knew me from the beginning. Like I guarantee you, I'm gonna have the most fun possible in this hobby. It might not. I might not make the most money. This or that. Whatever. But. Uh, I'm going to continue just to have a good time. And that's kind of where I'm at. Just uh, the product. If you want to buy the product, you buy the product, right? I do have competition now. So, you know, a dumb rubber case for a protective, for a protective sleeve anyways is already crazy. 
So uh, that's why I felt like I had to, not that I even had to, but it really just came to me just, just have fun, be a big kid, you know? And, and, and the product itself is, is, is a good product. I saw it yeah. at the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's a, it's a high-quality good product. It's a product that I would definitely purchase if I were to purchase those kind of cases. Uh, you know, um, But what you've been able to do with the hat, the chain, the beard looking like Sage Francis, who's also from Providence. I know. Um, I know Sage. That's my boy. Yeah, you know, I, and I think I said that to you, too, at Nat, or um, when I met you in uh, Hall of Fame. So... You get a lot of hate for the hat. Dude, what, no, what, what's that from? What like why why are people getting all up in arms? No pun intended with the arms on no, bro, listen. I have no I listen, you couldn't uh there's guys like there's a guy, Dan the Card Man. I like the stuff that he does. There's some people out there that have way too much time in their hands. Like they, there's no way they have kids, there's no way they work. Cause I don't understand how you could hate like truly like vitriol hate people in this hobby. Um, I've, I've tried to do things that I still don't even want to talk about now about giving for charity and this and that. It makes no sense to me for people to be any at, angry at anyone in this hobby in, in the sense that like you take your time to like make anonymous posts and all that kind of stuff. But no, I, I don't know. I don't care either though. Sean, Rob, the Rob, Rob, part. Rob how many? Ask, Sean, have, have you, Perfect. Sean, have you ever, I'll get to you in a sec, Sean, have you ever had anyone make videos and hate about you, Sean? Not that I know of. I mean, then you're in the minority because the other four people on the screen absolutely have. Okay. I just saw someone, some POS, um, posting about Mama Breaks yesterday. And 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 I was gonna screenshot it and like send it to her and be like, yo, do you know this jerk? Uh, and she I was sees like, it. you know what? I don't even like want to rile her up because I know I have enough people constantly sending me clips of people talking about me and like all the all the bad and negative and stuff. And and Koontz, I mean we're not even gonna start with Koontz over there, right? Because you could probably write books with all the stuff that's been said about him. But I, I love it. I, lo- I love it. And congratulations Stephanie on finally getting Honestly, it's kind of like when you, it's, it, it's, it really is like almost like a flattery in a way that, you know, people are wasting their time to talk positive or in a lot of these cases negative that, you know, it, 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 it has nothing to do with any of us. It's more to do with them and, you know, insecurities in their life and stuff. But um, the fact that you can, you know, put, these guys are potentially making a little bit of money off some YouTube videos and stuff. So yeah. it's kind of it's kind of cool. I think that I've literally reached a platform, and you know, you guys that you can help make these guys a little bit of money of you know talking whatever they want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, and we have I'm going to start getting to some of the comments. Dex Flow Toys says, "How is it possible to hate Mama Breaks?" Listen, I agree. I mean, how is it possible to hate any of us? Look at Koontz. Look at him. Look at that little. I just want to give him a hug through the screen. I get to hate no, but uh, so so basketball card guy brings up a good point. Sean, getting to you. So Sean, not only are you you know longtime collector in the hobby, um, you're a musician. Um, you you make funny videos, hilarious videos. Some of them kind of towing the line of like, uh, is that uh, I don't know. Like you know, don't you do like a. The, an imitation of like a preacher or something like that or like a like a a country priest or something like that 
there's a yeah there's a few priest videos that i've dropped he's got he's got you have like characters you have like you're like uh early adam sandler albums where he's got like the lunch lady and like all these different skits and stuff like that's kind of like what you do but on top of all of that you also put out a kid's book this year which as soon as i saw you post i purchased it because i'm like this is awesome that you know guys in the hobby are, are putting out so tell me a little bit just about everything that that you kind of do in the hobby outside the hobby that keeps you busy yeah, man. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not in it. I don't have a, a business. I don't have, um, I'm not monetizing anything, actually. There's literally nothing. I mean, if if anything, it's you buying that llama book is the only profit, I think. In fact, you were probably the first person to uh, to buy that book. And oh. then John, basketball card guy, I think was probably the second. Um, but that was something I always wanted to do. We own a llama. So um, my That's daughter so and I, we did that together. And, and so that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't, I've, I've had victory investments since 2000, the beginning of 2015. In fact, the reason I, I chose victory investments was uh, an album I released in 2015 was titled victory. And so I was buying sports cards with, additional profit on the album and so then victory investments was kind of where i went from there so i opened up that victory investments instagram in 2015 before you ever heard of sports card investor you heard of sports cards as investments um and so you know a lot of times people will look at some of my content and it doesn't make sense because they're coming to you know they they see victory investments and they're thinking uh, you know, this is a going to be financial advice. And then they roll up on a, a priest or a country guy uh, trimming a, a 84, you know, 89 tops Damarino. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just I, I do it for fun. I, I do hope I've been in the, the hobby long enough. I've been collecting for about 30 years. Um, so I hope that I can educate the next generation of collectors. And uh, so I try to do a lot of that, share things that I've learned along the way. Um, obviously, we all collect, we buy, we sell. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't have a specific, um, you know, hobby business like the other folks here, and uh, which I think are also uh, very good, good for the hobby. Yeah. And so I'm going to throw this question out to Jason, but then from there, guys, take it. Okay, take the ball and run with it. Um, Jason, right now, June 2023, how would you describe the state of the hobby right now? You are someone that's been in it for decades. You've seen all the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows. How would you describe where we are at right now? Um, I think it's pretty real right now. I think we went through a year or two of it not being real you know, because of just all the craziness, COVID and just all these people coming in and a lot of unreal expectations and just, just wildness. Um, <clears throat> I've seen three major market crashes, um, you know, since the early nineties, when I started, a lot of people are kind of freaking out that this is going to be another one. And I don't think that's the case. Like it just, everything seems a lot different now. Like it just, um, the market was, so much smaller when it, when it collapsed, um, in, you know, 90, you know, 94 and, and 02 and, and 08. <clears throat> um, I do think 
there's a lot to do with economics. You know, I think we're in a recession. I think we have another year, year and a half, like all that's debatable. But um, I don't necessarily think it's cards right now that is really the question is just the world in general, you know, to figure out that needs to get figured out first. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, it's really, even though prices are down, still seeing cards sell for hundreds and thousands, you know, and, and like the Jordan USA jersey sell for $3 million, which I thought was kind of cheap. But when I say that's cheap, it's still somebody spending $3 million for a piece of memorabilia, which in a really bad economy, which I think we're kind of in, um, that's still insane to, for, for people to be spending this type of money. So long term, I'm extremely bullish. Um, I've been picking my spots better. Like I already have so much inventory. So I have sold off like just some stuff that maybe I care less about. And then I'm being a little more picky. Like, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with, you know, everybody knows Jordan's Jackie's um, bird magic. So like I, now if one becomes available where I used to maybe go buy all of them, um, you know, if it's not nicely centered or I'll, I'll just pass and like wait for a better spot and where maybe a year or two ago and when money was flowing a lot crazier, I would have just bought it and threw it in a safe. So, um, yeah, I'm just adjusting a little bit, but overall, like, I think when you said, you know, where, where, where are we going to be at in five years? Like, I think in five years, when you're buying the really good stuff right now, I think people are going to be really happy in five years. If you're gambling right now on like, is Zion going to lose a hundred pounds and come back and be good next year? Like, I don't know, like that stuff could still drop another 90%. Um, so I, I see people like, you know, they see Ja, they see Zion and they think, oh, maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe it is, but also like the real, the reality is, is like that stuff could, you know, tank. Whereas you put your money in the right stuff, mantles, vintage, like it may not 10 X, but I, I feel pretty strongly about that over the next five to 10 years. Jason, how many, uh, how many 48 Leafs are you up to right now? I don't know. So I have my, I have my stuff spread out over about five locations. Um, so I don't, uh, to give you an exact number, I don't know. Um, where more are those, than, uh, those five locations exactly. And then where yeah. are they in those locations? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, uh, I'll just, just hit me on the side. Yeah. So you keep those Jackies, you don't keep the, I, I would love to keep them literally like lined up in a case like that and just flip through every all of them together you separate them out i i have to for insurance reasons um with collectible i have a pretty pretty large collection and like not to get in numbers but they won't share certain certain amounts in certain spots but i also keep like i have i have some of the most valuable cards in the pwcc vault um i keep some i keep some stuff there um not gonna say where it is but about half hour from here there's a a facility that houses stuff for like art and, and, and whatnot. I keep some stuff there. Um, I have an office. I keep some stuff at, I, I, I keep a few things at my house, but like nothing really valuable. I mean, something, but more just to like stuff that I think is just cool as hell to show people when friends come over and like, obviously with my other business with, we're doing signings and stuff like athletes and players will come to that when they're in town, they stay here. And of course, like I'm trying to get them hooked because I know they'll love it. So or I'll go to the safety deposit box and bring some cool stuff to the house when someone's in town and just kind of like tease them a little bit like, Hey, you know, what do you think of this piece of memorabilia and stuff that I think they'll like. So, um, 
I'll show off in that way when I'm trying to, you know, get people involved that I think would really enjoy it and be good for the hobby. But um, yeah, overall, it's like, I, 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 I couldn't really risk having, you know, 200 Jackies sitting all in one location. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to up my, up my security. I'd have to have mama breaks on staff as my uh, security guard. So there you go. There you go. So Tim and Stephanie, I'm curious because you guys both in a way sell a product, right? Like Tim, you, you have your, you have your slab guards that you sell slab strong. And then Stephanie, you, you run mama's breaks, right? And you're constantly doing breaks. We always see you on Instagram going live, doing your breaks, um, with the hobby, how it's adjusted in the last 12 to 24 months. How have you guys had to adjust? Because I would imagine there's less money flowing in your direction than there was at one point. So have you had to kind of reach out in other ways? Because if you guys are both full time in this, I would imagine that there's got to be, you know, some sort of, uh, some sort of making up to do. Uh, I just speaking for myself, I don't think, I think the only slowdown is the guys at the level like Koontz. Like I don't see the the mid range stuff slowing down. People aren't stopped buying. I, I, like I have two main competitors now. There's three people in the space of like three main people in the space of um, slab protection, right? Like uh, I haven't seen the numbers slow down. I'm breaking now. I break with Sports Card Nonsense on the Card Shop Live. Uh, I just invested in. I'm gonna make this, and I guess I can make it now. But I'm part owner in a card shop now. I don't. Let's I, go! Congrats. I am not. I am not seeing. Uh, well, I'll make an announcement who and with who. But uh, I'm honestly, I'm not seeing. I'm seeing the prices of the high end stuff lose fifty percent. I've just been never one to even been able to get that stuff anyway. So I'm, I'm simply a collector that's buying the singles I want, and ripping a few blaster boxes here and there. So I've started breaking so I can. Like not like Mama breaks. I show she'll tell you more. I, I we're, we're not not selling out spots, right? Like we're not not going through this product. So I really haven't seen the same type of slowdown as the high end stuff that probably was already got too much of a boost in 2020. Anyways, it should be where it's at now. The only problem is people bought at the peak. But if you look at someone that got in early, they killed it. But so I just haven't seen the slowdown, and I don't even know. I think eBay might have released. Uh, I saw like a something they posted the other day. I'll bet you the the overall card numbers might be down, but the volume I bet you is up. So I don't know. That's just my perspective. I haven't seen a slowdown. I've seen, you know, card ladder posts about like this was a the top seller, um, but I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, I couldn't hear you. I think you're muted. I think you're muted, Rob. You're muted, Rob, unmute, unmute yeah. yourself, Rob. Sorry about that. Listen, it's my first time. Um, with the hobby kind of slowing down the way it has in the last 12 to 24 months, Steph, um, for you, what have you had to do to, um, you know, kind of call an audible or have you had to call audibles? Well, I can only really speak to my experience as uh, breaking the product that provides a breaking service. And like I said, I really just started full time and really full fledged into this a year. So I kind of started at the beginning of the slowdown 
And the beginning was really tough for me to figure out. But what I've seen in the past few months is, I mean, eBay lives starting up, fanatic li fanatics lives starting up since I've been on whatnot since early 2021. It's just blown up to this completely massive platform with hundreds and thousands of people on it at once. So when it comes as far as breaking on from what I've seen, it has not really slowed down. You do see the ebbs and flows throughout the year of like people not buying into some of the more high-end breaks. They're not willing to spend $400 for the Mariners. So you kind of just have to pivot and let's do mixers where the highest team's 200 bucks or 150 bucks. But at the end of the day, as breakers, we're really just uh, like, uh, it's all about the product that's out at the moment. And that's that's our main battle is if the product's not that great, if the product's not going up, then we need to figure out and pivot and see how we move that product. And hopefully we get a really great product that comes out. Like Cosmic Chrome was a really nice surprise for all of us. It came out fairly cheap and we didn't expect it to be much. And now it's what came out as a $150 box is now a $600 box. And that's just, it was a good product that people loved. So the more we do of that, I mean, I haven't seen a significant slowdown with breaking. And, and I've seen, you know, and I've heard, I'm sure you guys have too, heard the complaints about how slow Panini has been with putting out products, right? So they're they're one to two years behind in putting out products. And, and a lot of these guys who would have typically been like the the, the guy who people are chasing, so enough time has gone by to be like, oh, he's not even worth chasing anymore. Like LaMelo is not worth chasing. Cade Cunningham isn't worth chasing. Like some of these players, right? And it's like, so... It's got to be, you know, difficult for the people that are dealing and breaking with the products. Um, but like you said, you know, if you can get some surprises every now and then from different products, then, you know, I guess it balances out. But I, I guess it sounds like what you're saying is it's up to you um, and other breakers to kind of be creative with what it is you're doing. Right. Like like you said, doing mixers and stuff like that and uh, and not trying to cut everyone's throat by being the lowest costing, you know, break right i mean i i'd imagine you know you don't it's almost just like comps like you know you don't want to you don't want to undercut everyone else with with your breaks because before you know it breaks well, end up going to zero just like comps but being somewhere uh like at the tops conference i recently went to in february it's so crazy to me to see how many breaking companies are doing so well on on different platforms so I would say just try really hard to figure out what works for you and you'd find your home and do really well, I think. When it comes to breaking, the, the services that you provide are going to be what sets you apart and the type of community that you can provide to people too. Because everyone has their own people that like them or like the people that they attract. So I've seen some huge breaking companies make so much money and only break from Facebook or only break on YouTube, or only break on eBay, or only break on whatnot. So I just think there's a lot more opportunity than people see just from where they are. Like Instagram real, is one whole world on itself, in itself yeah. too. And real, real quick, my own breaks. I, I could not believe the amount of not only guys making money, of people I never heard of. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and they're all just killing it. Um, Instagram large, large is one companies. world, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens when Fanatics takes over breaking? Is that something that's kind of 
whether or not that happens and to what degree and to what kind of scale, is that something that breakers are already kind of talking about and, and being like, what's going to happen in two years? Is this going to be the end for us? Am I going to have to find a new lane or are you guys going to be able to coexist with fanatics? If indeed they do start to really take over breaking. Cause it sounds like they want to have their hand in everything and, and do it on, on huge platforms. Right. And, and, and I'm curious, like with that being said too, is the goal is the goal to maybe get acquired and or get hired by fanatics for you guys to maybe do breaking or be personalities uh i don't know how much things can be said right but here's what i'll tell you about fanatics breaking that is just like for me my product would be for psa to go tim we want to buy your product and give it to everyone right fanatics is where the allocation will come from tops out fanatics whatever you want to say so yeah that's the goal because that's where you're going to make your most money however uh walmart hired bob means away from ebay so walmart's going to be doing a uh, going live like whatnot where they sell other products it's not going to be just about cards right it's not going to be really about cards at all whatnot's not going anywhere ebay live's definitely not going anywhere they're still rocking out in beta um uh who else is coming along um Fanatics Live will be the goal, in my opinion, but DraftKings now, right? Or FanDuel, one of them is breaking now. I mean, can Fanat does Fanatics really care? Fanatics Live put out a post today, and they threw Panini boxes right in the mix. That's the they put out. So I, I think that Fanatics Tops, whatever you want to say, is going to want you to break their product on as many pa- platforms as possible. That would just be what I would think. And then obviously they'll have their darlings. And people will sign up and, and they'll but for the next two years i don't see much changing all right um jason real quick because uh we have uh, a guy in the comments tom grant he's he's a he's a regular when it comes to you know consuming content and commenting on things he wants to know he actually asked the question t- twice how many e98s have gone through your hands so this is this is what i love talking about zero and I've never submitted one or never owned one. And the reason he's asking that, there's been some bad ones that have gotten through some of the major grading companies. And I'm assuming he's thinking that I finagled them. But no, I've never uh, never owned one and uh, never never graded any. And so, I, keep, and- in mind, keep, keep in mind, I haven't really graded. I've graded probably like 50 to 100 cards with PSA in the last four years, three years. Like I've, I've been focusing on... I retired for a bit. I've been focusing on ISA. Like I just, you know, I I'm basically doing this because I love, I love the hobby. And I, if, if I wasn't doing this for a hundred hours a week, I'd probably be like a degenerate gambler and sports betting, sitting in a casino doing degenerate shit. So, um, I'm just kind of addicted to the hobby. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's what his question was leading to her, but the answer is zero. Yeah. And and for those of you who are not sure, um, he's referring to uh, a set from 1910, um, 1910, the E98s, you know, and there was uh, Ty Cobb, Johnny Evers, Honus Wagner, you know, Chief Bender. You had all these. All Jimmy these, Lavender. Yes, all these absolute icons. Providence, Providence uh, Grace. Yeah. So. Um, so I'm back. I'm back. I don't know. All right. So. Um, so where we're at in the hobby, Sean, do you have anything you want to add from everything that was said so far? 
Man, no, I, I, I value their insight. I'm so disconnected from the day-to-day fanatics, you know. Um, in fact, I, I've never, I think I've only watched a couple breaks. Um, so I, I'm just not in that world. I think it's, I think, man, it's, it's very needed. It's a, um, that's how the, the, the hype of the hobby, especially with the young generation, um, kind of gets stirred up. So I think it's, it's very valuable to have, um, breaking. It's just, uh, there's, a an excitement to it. Um, I've never been, I've never joined one, watched a few. Um, in fact, I watched, uh, the cardboard one today, um, with uh, Antoine Griezmann for a little bit, but, uh, yeah, as far as like, you know, talking about uh, the future of the hobby five years from now, man, I don't know where it's going to be five months from now. I agree with Jason. I think that the uh, the the larger kind of global economic stuff is really kind of what's going to drive a lot of our little industry here. But as far as like, you know, thinking about fanatics and, and uh, how they're going to affect things, I don't overthink it a lot, partly because most of the cards that I'm chasing and and uh, am going after have already been produced. Um, now, a lot of the I'm a Mahomes collector. I love all, a lot of the the new stuff of his, so I'll definitely be you know going after that. But um, I, as far as the industry itself, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I think a lot of it does have to do with what the world is doing. And uh, it, it's kind of a trickle down effect. I think the hobby is as strong as it's ever been from an, an interest level. I mean, go to any podunk little town in the in the U.S. that has a card show at a VFW hall and it's full. I mean, it, there may not be a lot of like, you know, big money changing hands. There may be still a lot of guys that are like 10 times over comps, um, you know, so but there's still that interest there. And I remember at the end of kind of 2017, when stuff was just like, it's just kind of flat. There was even the national in 2017 was like not crazy busy. Um, And you can just see just since then the trajectory of interest, you know, obviously the peak in 2020, 2021 brought a ton of people into the uh, into the sports card world. And I do think a decent amount of them stayed and, you know, either they started a business uh, or they just fell back in love with cards. Um, so but the interest level is still there. And I, I think it's just that's going to continue. But what I was telling someone earlier today was, uh, you know, if the U.S. continues to go the same way that we're going as far as inflation, cost of living increasing, um, you will see that press uh, the hobby. And, uh, you know, that's where I think we just you, you want to not over leverage and, and uh, um, you want to be calculated with what you're you're doing and buying. And um, but I'll, I'll say, man, in the last probably year and a half, especially, I have really kind of come out of it just it's almost 100% just collecting. And, uh, um, and I, you know, I think who who didn't love when prices were just shooting up and you could buy a, a, a John Morant, you know, base rookie card 
And, uh, you know, three days later, it was already three X and you could sell it. Like Everyone was doing that. And I mean, that was awesome. I, I would love for that to happen again. I don't know what the, the perfect storm would have to take place for that to ever happen again. Um, but I like Jason said earlier, I do think that we're, we're kind of like at a, a nice, stable level where there's a realness that if you're in it, you're in it because you're going to be in it. And uh, whether it's through a business or it's, you know, your passion. I mean, Jason ain't going anywhere. Look, he's got a, a, a picture of him back there taking Michael Jordan to the hole. He ain't go. He's not going anywhere. Rob, I mean, you're not going anywhere. You just picked up a Mahomes card. I mean, any guy with that hat, you're, there's no way he's going anywhere. And and Mama Breaks is so big that she's not going anywhere. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think we're in a we're in a great place. Uh, obviously, you know, you look at some of these high end auctions and, uh, you know, like I was looking at the Mahomes gold prism that just sold. I can't remember what that got up to. I want to say it was like 300 K and it went for like just a hair over 103 K uh, last night. So, I mean, even a guy who's just won two Super Bowls, his stuff is, uh, you know, cut in into thirds. Um, but I, I do feel like the people that are buying stuff now, they've seen enough drop that they're buying with a calculation and they're not doing it, hoping to just buy something and flip it right away because you just, it's, that's not how it is right now. So I, I do feel like people are making more calculated purchases. Um, and hopefully it, you know, some of these cards are falling into the hands of true collectors that are going to hold on to this stuff, you know, for the duration and kind of ride it out. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're, I, I would love to say that fanatics is just going to like, you know, throw packs into uh, you know, seven 11 again. Like when I was a kid, I could ride my, my GT performer up and uh, get a Slurpee and a couple you know, packs of 90, uh, 90 upper deck. And uh, I would love for there to be, you know, in you go to a, a baseball game or a football game and they're selling packs there. I have no idea what they're going to do. I think they're obviously 100 percent in it for the money. Um, so they're going to think about fanatics first. Um, hopefully they see that the money is tied to the people who make up their industry, which is collectors those of us who do want to be in here long-term. So hopefully they'll want to cater to the people that they're making the money off of. Um, but they're going to be in it 100% to, you know, to turn a profit. And uh, I hope it's just done well with integrity and, and uh, they continue to build things. And um, I think, uh, you know, the people that are in it for the long-term, they will be rewarded just like the folks that had the cards when 2020 hit, the people that made the biggest amount of money were the people that already had. Oh, yeah. Cards. And, you know, they people were became millionaires overnight with, with their collections. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think that that's they the, the guys that were holding those cards long term never thought what happened in 2020, 2021 was going to happen. They held those cards because they wanted the cards. And then that happened. And what do you know, bam, you know, I can sell this card I bought for 10,000 for 150,000. And so, uh, but they were rewarded for their 
commitment to be in the hobby long term. And I think that that's a that's something that uh, will continue to remain true in the future. I like that quote. You know, people were rewarded for staying in the hobby long term. I like that. Um, and uh, Jason, Tom, who asked about um, the 1910 set, the E98 said he wasn't asking about trimming. He was asking about the large quantity that came through the Midwest after the heritage auctions ended. So, um, yeah, there, so, so there was a, there, so there was that. And then there was a second find after that. So the, so the, basically the story was, is this family finds, um, a bunch of E98s and, um, I actually got offered the deal. Um, I may, I originally made them an offer. Um, and basically the family was fighting about it and they thought the only way was to send everything to auction and then divide everything up equally. And there was, you know, 30 or 40 of each player, 30, you know, 30 cobs. This was a deal that if you would have bought and pieced out over 20 years would have been worth 10 X um, rather than just auctioning up. auction it all at once. They auctioned everything at like 30 cob nine. I mean, just, just insane. Um, yeah. So, the, so, so that uh, they all took their checks and, and, and went home. But then uh, a few years later, there was another find of the same stuff, which was kind of odd. And that stuff uh, was bought on the secondary market from a couple of big guys. And I think there was some funny business with some of that stuff um, through some of the major grading companies. That's what I was referring to. The heritage stuff, I can, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that deal because, you know, that one was just a cluster. There's so much of that stuff out there that's, you know, that, that was really clean stuff when it came out. So... <clears throat> So I'm I'm curious, Jason. Do you do you keep your finger on the pulse of the hobby like that for fun, or for you is it always kind of for investment purposes? Because just just the fact that like you know all of that, um, you know, I've heard the story about the E98s a couple times now uh, because people are like, how are all these high grade? you know copies and it really watered down the market basically so anyone that owned a high grade e98 before i think they saw their their values really like plummet just because of how many came to market um but is there part of you that still like loves it or is it really to the point now where you know because it's been such business for you all these years that it's almost kind of taken the fun out of the hobby it's definitely taken a lot of the fun. I mean, there's like, and there's no way for me to say this without me sounding like an egotistical piece of shit, but like, go for it. Sound like a dick. Go for it. But like most major things that happen in the hobby, like either, either are come through me for advice or, you know, when some, when, when all the, this breaking news happens, it's like, generally I knew about it months prior or I was involved in the situation or giving advice or, in some type of way, like most major things I'm involved with. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, when, when stuff happens, it's not a shock to me. It's like, you know, I, I know whether I want to know or, or I, you know, I don't like people come to me and, and I generally know the, the good or bad details around most scenarios involving all aspects of the hobby. So yeah, like it's, you know, there's some stuff I wish I didn't know about. Um, and it's in not that it matters about money, but there, there's stuff like I give this example, the 85 Jordan Nikes to me, like Nike and Jordan just seems like a no brainer. But like I knew there's people they're, they're still printing those cards today and there's grading companies still grading them. So like 
the 85 Nike promos. Yeah, the, the 85 Nike Pro. So, like, I've known that forever, and it's like I never bought any of those because I know that people are still printing these and they're getting them graded. And I'm watching, the, you know, new people coming in saying, you know, 85, Jordan, Nike, rookie, this makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, it, it does make sense if you didn't know that people are printing the shit out of them still. So, like, if I didn't know that, I would have bought those cards and held them and made, you know, 50x on my money. Um, so I think sometimes knowing too much and there's other situations like that, that, um, I remember a lot of the backdoor deals from the nineties and seeing like these rare insert sets getting sold in like thousands and thousands of quantities of stuff. There wasn't supposed to be and double serial numbered stuff. And like, you know, sets that are numbered to, you know, 500 and you're getting offered, you know, more than what should be there. So like this stuff that looks super rare, I'm like, it's not as rare. But over the last 20 years, a lot of that shit is completely dried up to the point where I can't even believe it's, you know, um, like, so another example, not to take it, I don't want to be like this time stealer, but like 96 ultra rising stars basketball, I got offered like 40,000 sets. And, and those cards were like one per case. It was just, you know, they were printing them and printing them. And you couldn't find those today if you wanted to. Um, like, there may be a few on eBay. But, like, I remember seeing, like, you know, a 40,000 Kobe's. So, it's like, how do I ever buy that card ever? On the, and, and they've somehow managed to dry up in, like, in collections. So, it's like knowing a lot of this behind-the-scenes stuff has kept me from making moves on stuff that is, you know, now, like, those Nike Jordans have, have gone up insane amount of, and i still have never touched one because it scares the shit out of me and i know and I've, and, I've, and I've given that disclaimer to people and then they don't care they still go buy them and they make money and you know it is what it is so off the top of my head i could remember during the height because my friend Amil, who I used to do a podcast with, The Bounce, um, I remember he had a Nike promo PSA 10. And I can remember um, at the height, I think they were going for 55K. Um, and so, and that was a PSA 10. So these reprints and these, these counterfeit Nike promos that are still getting printed, are they getting passed through all grading companies, PSA included, that you're aware of? Yeah, and, and the reason is it's it's the same way with the with the star basketball. So like the, the 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 quality wasn't that good, and there was no license, so there was really nobody to go after them, and the quality was able to kind of get reproduced. So the story with with star basketball was um, the guy he lost his license in late I think late '89. Well, he produced a bunch of sets after the license ran up, and then tried to sell the stuff on shop at home. And then he also printed up a bunch more 84 stars, but it was on the same press as the original 84 stars. So it's like, um, you know, if you own an 84 star Jordan, it's going to be identical because it was on the same print run, same paper. But like, there's a chance your 84 star Jordan could have been printed in 84 or 1992. So like, that's what I, that's why I love 86 Flair because I, I know 86 Flair was much more controlled and like it wasn't reproduced. So it's like I don't know if a true collector would care. Personally, I would if like if you told me my 84 jars Jordan was printed in 1991 versus 84, even if they looked identical. Um, so it's like stuff like that that I know that like I've just why I've never really 
you know, bought star basketball. Wow. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I mean, well, I, mean, listen, I, I, th- I'm, I think it's safe to say you had all our attention with, with what you were saying. So, um, so Rob, I, I, I think had a question real quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Jason kind of brought up, you know, I think like I had a buddy ask me one time, he said, you know, if, if you lost your love for cards and it became a business, would you still kind of be in the industry? And I think that's a good, a good question. Um, and I said, no, like I, I'm like, I'm in it for the nostalgia. Um, obviously I, I, no one wants to make bad investments. Um, so it's, it's amazing to be able to make money doing something you love. But I just want to ask kind of like all you guys here, like what cards now everyone participates in the hobby differently. You know, you may have a, a, a flipper, a card shop owner, a guy who, uh, you know, buys a lot of, you know, one card, your set collector, your breaker. So that's amazing to me. It's a big it's a big hobby with a lot of room for a lot of people. But um, I do think that you have to to want to be in it, whether it's as an investor, a collector, uh, breaker, owning a business, you know, um, you have to have a love for the cards. And there has to be cards that like make you feel a certain way when you hold them. Um, and if not, you've got to get back to that place um, because, you know, this the whole reason this thing was created in the, you know, in the beginning. Well, there are a lot of different ideas of why it was created, but um, but the, the reason it has sustained all these years is the nostalgia and the connection to the players, the memories, the history. So what for you guys, like when you pick up a certain card, like actually gives you you know, a, where you're like, man, this is just, I love this. Like, and I don't even know that about Stephanie and and Tim. Like I know a little bit, obviously Rob, I know kind of what you collect. Jason, I've got, I've kind of followed for a while. So I kind of know what, you know, some of the stuff he's interested in. I know he's got a Tupac autograph that I'm actually, uh, I'd love to have a Tupac autograph. Um, But what for you guys, Stephanie and Tim, like when you pick up stuff like what do you connect to beyond the the business side of things so i started this uh, <clears throat> during quarantine collecting when i started discovering modern cards so to me i did open i was huge pokemon card collector in third fourth fifth grade kind of grew out of it started playing softball opened a lot of 2008 update for kershaw rookies and it wasn't really until adulthood during quarantine that i found like modern cards I didn't know that golds existed or these like, I know it's crazy, like zebra print and tiger print Zion cards. And I thought they were gorgeous. And to me, it's, I do appreciate the older stuff. I appreciate like new heritage stuff, but modern cards to me are absolutely gorgeous. When I found uh, Star Wars cards, Galaxy Chrome in particular, the first time they chromified like the the artist illustrations and the old series series that's what i really got hooked on and if you know like star wars has been me this past year that's really what i've hooked on because it's really what i love and i enjoy to rip i love that you mentioned that like how you love to participate in a hobby i'm a collector first but even before that i love to rip wax it's just so much fun so yeah. i definitely you know, as a breaker, I'm doing it. And I tell my husband is like, as long as I 
when I start getting sick of opening cards, that's when I'll stop doing this. But so far, being able to do it myself and rip open these packs of cards myself has been the most fun I've had ever. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. And that, as a breaker, that's <laughs> because, you know, you're not, you know, a lot of times, obviously, you have to, you know, initially buy those cards, but to open up other people's cards and then be able to share and the excitement kind of get them pumped up. But then like, I mean, we used to have to pay to open up, you know, packs and you're getting, you know, in a way you're getting paid to open up people's cards for them. And that's to me, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I take that responsibility with I don't take it lightly at all. I definitely understand, you know, it's my privilege. And it's also that's why I focus a lot on community, because I think at the end of the day, I'm really providing a service to those who, you know, it's it's fun to open a pack of cards by yourself, but it's so much more fun doing it with a friend. And, you know, a lot of us, like, we've experienced it. I, I'm i a woman that collects cards. I was an English teacher before. I had no one in my inner circle or even 10-time outer circle that I knew that enjoyed cards as much as I did. But I can go on Instagram and, you know, go on Bullpen Live and open a box with Ben and have six other friends in there opening my box with me. So that's kind of like what I enjoy about breaking. That's how I take that responsibility. Uh, I'm very simple. My collection is worth zero dollars, and I like it that way. Like it, I collect anything related to Rhode Island, right? So my probably most expensive is like uh, I have like a T206 Jimmy Lavender PSA five. That was two hundred dollars. I'm looking for a Lenny Wilkins uh, rookie, and I'm I'm trying to spend under a hundred. I found an authentic for a hundred. Other than that, I shit you not. I collect PSA fives. Five's my favorite number, so it's an OCD thing. If I can't have a ten, I get a five. So I yeah. collect fives. Uh, there's not a lot of expensive Rhode Island stuff. And then I went to like, all right, uh, what is still cheap? What can I get that I really like? You're saying when I when I see it, I have an actual feeling about. So my favorite cartoon as a kid was Gargoyles. They made a set. I sent a bunch into PSA, paid for whatever. This is worth nothing. It's worth maybe five bucks, ten bucks to someone. But I got a bunch of these in all different grades. And then I got stuff like nostalgia, like a Captain Planet SGC eight. Like I, I bought this raw, sent it in. I don't care about the grade. I just wanted it slab so I could put my product on it. Uh so it's really that's why I even said earlier, like I don't feel the same type of pain as of these card prices going up and down. Because when I buy a card, it's usually I'm usually overpaying for it because no one else wants these things. It's just it is what it is. There's a few players that went through Rhode Island that some people care about. Most of the time I, I get through spending five to ten dollars and I got a whole collection of every. I just bought a uh, I don't know if you guys are into college basketball. I just bought uh, a Shantae Rogers and a Melvin Levitt. 1999 SP Vital Signs from college, George Washington in Cincinnati. They call them the helicopter. Uh, no one's really looking for the stuff that I rip. So um, pretty much everything that's in the closet to my left, um, and I sell singles now when I break, it's all stuff that I has a kid that I just don't want. My biggest collection is Isaiah Ryder. Um, he was my <laughs> – yeah, he was – he put the basketball through his head. I immediate Timberwolves fan. So I got lucky in the sense that – I'm from a small place and I just got a lot of pride in it. So I collect things that are related to that. And just, I happen to be lucky that they haven't blown up and I don't want them to blow up. I just want to keep 
keeping for myself. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel the same. I get real happy. I try to complete a rainbow of my new favorite player. And he ended up being a, he's a second year undrafted free agent for the Brooklyn Nets. This dude has 157 parallels. I'm not joking. I think he has 27 one of ones. So I've kind of had to slow down. Um, I was spending too much on him, but, um, yeah, I just don't feel the same pain as trying to like collect. Yeah, I, w- I want a Jordan rookie. Don't get me wrong, but I'll get to that one day. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Man, yeah. So, Sean, great question. Great question to them. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I guess, like to wrap it up, because we've been here an hour, um, to wrap it up. So, usually businesses, Usually businesses, they the business is known for what they're known for. And the people that run the businesses typically are, you know, usually in the background a little bit, but arguably the three biggest businesses on this page, which is Slab Strong, ISA, and Mama Breaks, you guys are known, I think, more for you guys as individuals than you are for your brand. I could be wrong. That could just be my opinion, but Tim, what's your goal with with Slab Strong? Is, are you putting is the energy into the Slab Strong brand? Is it more into you? What? How would you say that you even balance that? Is that something you even give any thought to? Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a partner, right? So I know that I have to think about that. Uh, he invested in me, uh, so I try to respect that. At the end of the day, I've always wanted to be more than a case guy. This is before the big hat. Um, this is before the chain. This is before anything. I just, uh, I've always felt that I wanted to do something, be someone. And then if I became be something and do something right, that I would give back or I would just show people that you could have fun, that you could make it in this weird world, this niche of uh, collecting cards from out of Rhode Island being a 40 year old guy, just, just from the love of collecting cards since eight years old, I can remember ripping, uh, with my father. Um, so no, I, I got to put a lot of energy to slab strong because someone invested in me, right? They believed in me. A lot of people believe in me. So I got to make it happen at the end of the day. Like I said, I'm breaking more invested in the shop. Uh, I just try to be a good person. I try to give back, you know, like I, I did something at the national last year. I'm doing something for breast cancer, awareness this year i'm going to donate 100 percent of the profits of my pink slab straws for breast cancer awareness um i just want to do stuff like that and I, I want to travel around to shows i want to rock the big hat have people enjoy it i don't i don't mind the nonsense the the uh the comments because i'm the real hobby shark and i'm the hobby orca i'm both i'm swimming through the deep waters it don't matter but at the end of the day man i love it i love it. i'm waiting one day i hope i get mentioned on sports card radio Cause they got a lot of followers. No one cares what they think. Uh, I want to get mentioned everywhere, man. Like even what Coons was saying earlier, man, I'm still going to collect cards. I'm still going to collect my gargoyles, my captain planets, my Providence college players uh, without slouch strong. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change, but uh, no, I'm just going to try to keep being a good guy. I'm going to talk my mess though. And I'm going live after this. Cause I'm the real shock here, but um, yeah, dude, that's what I'm going to be. And I'm going to keep doing it. Love all you. Appreciate it. I like having, as you can see, I like having fun. There's people out there, everybody that's listening. I don't know if you have kids watch your show, but don't worry about these fools, man. Just rock a big hat and a chain. You'll be all right. 
Love it. Love it. Jason, how about you, man? I mean, you're, you're, you, I think it's, it's safe to say you are more known than your grading company, ISA. I think if you had it your way, it would probably be the opposite though, right? ISA would like, is your goal, your five-year plan to really truly make ISA a major player and crack that top three of grading, top grading companies in the market? Well, I mean, first, in my opinion, we're we're grading the third most cards right now behind PSA and SGC. Wow. Um, but 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 I'm in, I'm in a unique situation because like, it this isn't it's not really a financial like all the the company's doing great and all the money we make we're rolling back into the company. So the company doesn't need to make money right now. It's not like my back's up against the wall. I'm actually just really enjoying the process of taking all the you know for grading for 25 years like all the frustrations that i dealt with i know exactly what they are it's like you know not knowing why something graded a certain way the turnaround times like just there's so many things that were flawed with grading that that i understood on a personal level that we're trying to do and so my focus is on that it's like and and i also know like even if you don't like the isa holders you don't you know it's we get the argument hey you're not psa like of course we're not PSA. Like if you have a $10,000 card, like go send it to PSA. But like the stuff's definitely graded accurate. So there's an arbitrage there for people to say, oh, that's going cheap. I'll crack it. And like, I'm pretty confident if you get a, a grader at PSA that's been there for a while, it's going to get a very similar grade. So the accuracy is there just with my background. Um, but I've reached, I've just really enjoyed the process of building a business after because in 2018, 2019, like I was, I was pretty much just, you know, collecting some of the inserts and just stuff and just kind of retiring, going to spend time with my kids. And now I'm, you know, I'm back at it 80 hours a week, you know, just because I'm an absolute addict to this market. Like, you know, I, I was taking the time off. Like I have four kids, by the way, and I love spending time with them and they're starting to get into it like pretty hardcore and like, the greatest thing in the world is cracking wax with them at night and you know, all, all that stuff. But like when I was doing nothing for like a month or two, I hated it. Like I absolutely hated it. So having this passion project not be, and I don't want to say I don't want to make money with it. Cause like the goal is to like, you know, make money with the company, but like to, to it's, it's the, the process is so much more enjoyable than to look at the end goal. Like, I don't care what the, I know what the end goal is going to be because we're doing all the right things, whether it's two years, three years, five years, but just enjoying the process. I never enjoyed the process. Like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I put such pressure on myself. Like when I went to a show, I had to make X amount of money. I just stressed out. Like, and it was just, it was such a different world back then compared to now. Um, and I don't know. It, it's just, uh, I enjoy, I'm just so much more enjoying the hobby than I did when I was, you know, when I was younger to me, it was, it was about money and, you know, I wanted to make as much money as I could. I collected a lot, but it was really like money first. And over the past several years, it's definitely flip flop to, you know, back to collector the same way I was for the first five or six years I was involved um, in, in this hobby. Jason, are you are you doing some grading over there too, or do you do you uh, review some of the cards, or you've got a team who's who does the majority of your grading? Yeah, so we got five guys now, and I've I've trained all of them, and honestly, like we're, we're high. We have thirty six employees now. Everybody who comes in, 
like for every 10 people that want to be a grader, like maybe one of the 10 kind of makes it to the next level of, of it, it's the, the one thing I actually underestimated on scaling was me being able to teach grading. Like I thought just because it comes so second nature to me, but when you, when you look at cards for eight hours a day for 25 years, I just thought I'd be able to teach it. Luckily, like one of the guys who was with me for 15 years now, he's kind of the head grader. He knows as much as me or more and, and definitely more than I would put him against anybody else, you know, uh, in the hobby. But, um, you know, we got tested early on with a lot of fake PMGs and a lot of just trim cards, a lot of just crazy reprints. And like, to me, a lot of it was, it was easy. Like it just, I looked at it and I was like, okay, that's that, that's that. Like where a few of these other startup companies kind of got stuck with some of this stuff in their holders where to me, I just, you know, and, and I also have my network where I, like I said, I, I know all the, a lot of the major people. And when, when rumors come out of a certain group is starting to, you know, when the fake PMG started coming out of China, I had the heads up on, Hey, like kind of what to look for. So if we ever have a question and in-house, I can kind of veer off and, and reach out to somebody and say, Hey, what's, Hey, have you heard anything about this? What's the story? Send a picture and, and really get good feedback. So I, I feel like that's a huge advantage for us, but um, yeah, I mean, everything is scalable and grading except for the grading part. Like that's where there's, there's just, there's always going to be, I'm not a big AI guy. You know, PSA has AI, SGC has AI. Like it's, it's they've all, they've all shelved it. Um, there's just such a human element involved in grading with making judgment calls and, um, you know, just, I don't trust the software yet. I like, so, that. I actually, I like that. I like that. Um, do you, uh, do you, what's the kind of the majority of the cards? Are they more modern, ultra, mostly ultra modern and modern? Do you get some vintage stuff too? What's the kind of percentages of what's coming in through there? So it's the majority modern. There's a, there's a decent amount of mid grade vintage, but like where, and it kind of sucks because data for us is we're generally now because of our turnaround times, we're the first person that needs to label something. So when a product's released, I mean, the main reason to submit to ISA is you're going to have your stuff back in a few days. So when a product gets released or a player's hot and you, you know, the perfect example, of this was in between the NFC championship and, or in the Super Bowl, like that two weeks, I mean, we were flooded with probably 15 to 20,000 Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey's like all this stuff because people knew that they, they would have it back and being able to, you know, get way more money for it in that time rather than send it off, wait three or four months. So when a product's released, um, you know, the 2003 Bowman, not that the data is hard on that, but like the day it was released, we had people dropping it off at the office because they wanted to have the first graded slabs on the market. So with some of these wild parallels, you know, they're talking, you know, Stephanie's talking about like these zebras and like 157 parallels, like our data team is trying to figure this stuff out the day or the day after release and there's just not a lot of information. So um, that's one of the tricky spots too. So we're, you know, we're, we're kind of like the guinea pig for the, like the absolute brand new, newest of market where, which is cool too, because I get to see all that stuff. Like I'm a vintage guy, but I definitely appreciate all the newer stuff. Like I, I love seeing, you know, I, I'm a refract, like my personal collection stuff besides all the Jackies and shit is like 93 to 99 Chrome refractor tops, all basketball refractor sets. So, I, I love basketball inserts. So when all these basketball inserts come in, 
you know, like I'll go in the grading room and like I'll start flipping, even, you know, I'll start flipping through shit. And I'm just like, you know, the guys would be like, Hey, we, we got to get some work done here. And I'm like, hold on, let me, let me check out and see what, you know, check out this new product because, um, and, and I'm also first to see how awful the quality control has been. And, and it's, I'm hoping fanatics, you know, just, I don't know if it matters or not. Cause it does help with the grading that makes less tens, but like seeing some of the quality control come in, and how piss poor it's been um, has been pretty interesting too. Well, Jason, I, I think one thing I can say is that, and I don't know if you're working on it, if you think there's no issue, but it feels like the slab itself needs an upgrade, whether if it's the label, if it's the slab, I feel like it's something. It needs a slab strong. Or slap a slab strong on it for sure. Um, but you know, I, I'm not sure what it is. I it could just be the font on the label, but when I see it, it doesn't just it doesn't jump out to me. So, do you have a design? Like, are you guys? And that could just be my opinion. But do you guys have a uh, a design team that's happy with it? Are you sticking with the design moving forward? Or are you going to try to pull a Beckett and try to maybe uh, reinvent yourself or a CSG? We saw CSG do that a year ago. Um, what are your What are your plans as far as that goes? So the feedback's been honestly overwhelming, majority positive, uh, positive, especially when people get them in person. But like to give you the history on how we developed the slab was I literally went and had brought in like 18 or 20 art design major guy, you know, that knew nothing about cards. And I didn't tell them, I handed them an SGC slab, a PSA slab. And like, they just kind of came up with this idea and took some feet and, and these guys just, you know, ultimately what you've, you know, what most people say is it's a, it looks like SGC and PSA had a baby. Um, when I told them PSA was the most dominant company, the, the overwhelming majority was like, they couldn't believe they thought the red was really gaudy. Um, but like, we've just been, even me, like I, to me, the red looks good because we've been so accustomed over the past 30 years that like the red is what it is. Um, so we went with the blue just because that was what, you know, so like I had really not a lot to say. This was like expensive art majors, like design, all this people. And and so they're the people that kind of put it together, taking, um, you know, all this into consideration. But the funny thing is, is they thought the red, like they couldn't believe the red was the most popular slab is what I'm saying. Wow. Wow. All right, guys, time is up. I got to let you guys go. Uh, any final thoughts? We'll go around the horn. We can start with you, Tim. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, just uh, keep mentioning my name out there. I appreciate it. That's about it. Buy my product if you want to. Please don't buy Rhode Island stuff and keep mentioning my name. So Tim, so th what you have around your neck is it a PSA ten? Have any PSA ten surfaced of your card? Yeah, PSA ten. My, my good friend Shep's Cards and Collectibles down here in Tennessee. He sent in. It got a gem mint ten and autograph authenticated. And uh, I have a SGC ten right there. You need an ISA. Oh, wait a 10. minute! Wait a minute! No, no, no! I'm sorry! 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 He hasn't sent it to me yet. Oh, I would hold it in my hand right now. But I got an ISA 10 uh, probably a few days ago, but they showed it today. It's posted. Yeah, it's posted. It's posted. I love okay. it. I love what, it. What, what are you going to make? It, buy an NFT it, of it? Or it I no, no it's, I'm putting it in my personal collection. I'm, I told you I'm stealing that. Oh, okay. That's going to my PC. And, and we ISA witnessed the autograph, too. So even, 
even though technically I didn't see. So we do an autograph service, but like that we have, we only authenticate stuff we see in person. I'm assuming Tim did not forge the autograph, so um, we we did call it ISA witness. I love it. That's Love awesome. it. Um, uh, Sean, any final words? Any final thoughts? Hey, honored to be here with you guys. Great to meet you. Um, let's plan on all trying to uh, – everybody going to be at the National this year? Awesome. Well, yeah, I would love to uh, meet all you guys in person. And, uh, yeah, keep going. Let's go. Steph, how about you? Just thank you for having me on. And um so happy to finally meet Sean and Jason and hang out with you and Tim. So. Yeah. See you at the national. Love it, love it. Jason, take us out. I mean, I, I guess I was just gonna say that you know, I actually I didn't sleep last night, so I'm I'm exhausted, and then I I was gonna immediately. You were that go excited to, about tonight in the round table? No, that's how that's how that's how much I'm working. I mean, like literally, like through the night, I got like a half hour nap today. Didn't sleep last night, um, but like what we just did here is like what makes everything amazing about the hobby. Like I was gonna go pass out, but like now bringing up Sean's videos, like I'm gonna go lay in bed and and, and check out some of these funny videos because oh, you know I'm interested in seeing that. that. Yeah, yeah, not that way. Yeah, no, don't think yeah, like that. Yeah. But um, and I always when I first met Tim at a show, probably a couple of years ago now, like I knew nothing about him, but like I could just tell like the vibe and personality. Like we hit it off immediately, not even knowing each other. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I love this guy. He's not knowing anything about him other than my poker read of like this is a good dude. So it's like just the connections of the quality people in this hobby is what's, what's awesome. I've seen mama breaks. I'm going to go follow, I'm going to follow her and, and check out some of her, but like, you know, you putting this together, Rob, this is something where, you know, it may have been awkward for me to go up to Sean or, or, or Stephanie at a show and be like, Hey, nice to meet you. But like now, like we've had this and, and now I feel like, you know, it's, it's, I, I like knowing everybody. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate you putting this together and, like this is what the hobby is all about, and you know, people, you know, they collect five dollar stuff and million dollar. It is what it is, but like everybody, uh, you know, being positive together and having these conversations is, is what I love. Hey, thanks for uh, saying you like me, man. I'm gonna go ahead and turn off the comments on every post I made for the last twenty days. Appreciate you, Coons. I don't know why you had to say <laughs> that, bro. Jesus, I already got three uh. threats. <laughs> all right guys listen it was a pleasure having you on thank you everyone for tuning in this is episode 183 of sports card therapist i'm going to be taking a week off after this month long of roundtables. so i'm going to be taking a week off give everyone a chance to catch up on the roundtables if you haven't been able to do so um appreciate every single person that made it on the roundtables over the last month appreciate uh you four that are on here tim Sean, Stephanie, and Jason, and everyone out there, guys. Thank you again. And don't forget, take care of yourselves and your collection. Have a good one. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob.